Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Little Egypt Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Hefferman. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, joining me today is sports writer Bucky Dent, sports editor Les Winkler, and sports writer Braden Fogel. Welcome to the podcast. Yes, yes. Making his debut. Making his debut. Uh, Three people is not enough for your entertainment. You need four. So we're going with that today. It's going to be great. Uh, Lots of things to talk about, but we're going to start with high school football. We have two teams left. They're both playing at home. Uh, Nashville is playing at 1 o'clock. Murfreesboro is playing at 2.30. Uh, Nashville is taking on another 10-win team, Pena. Uh, and Murfreesboro is playing Kankakee McNamara, who's also 8-3. Murfreesboro is 9-2. Pena's only lost to undefeated Vandalia. Murfreesboro is only lost to DuCoin. Um, or Nashville, I'm sorry. Nashville's only lost to DuCoin. Uh, will that be like a 20-14 game on Saturday? Uh, you know, from, from talking, because I'm doing a feature on Cole Malavi, the outstanding Nashville quarterback who's thrown for over 2,300 yards and 30 touchdowns. Talking with him last night, he told me the Pena offense is a lot like theirs. They like to throw the ball. They throw bubble screens, tunnels, whatever you want to call them. Both teams are going to look to throw. The conditions should be nice by Saturday, sunny, close to 50 degrees, not much winds. Should be an ideal day for pitch and catch. I wouldn't be surprised if you had to score 30 to win that game. These are two very potent offenses. Nashville has the highest scoring offense left in Class 2A. They average nearly 50 a game during the regular season. They're very explosive. I mean, the Malawi does a good job of throwing the ball downfield. You know, the only time I saw them play this year was against uh, DuCoin, and DuCoin kind of uh, negated their running game. But but the passing game looked really good. He's got several weapons. The uh, the Turner kid's a really nice receiver. He did a good job of coming back to the ball and, and making some very tough catches to him in the end zone. So it's 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 going to be interesting. And Payne is a good program. It's historically been a, a good program. It used to be part of the old Mid-State Conference way back in the day. Uh, I actually covered a few games in Payne in my day. But uh, uh, it, it's, it should be an interesting game. Yeah, I, th- I think you're going to have a game where someone's going to have to score 30 points or more to win that one. You just have two really good offenses. And all the, although the defenses are underrated, I think with that type of firepower on the field both ways, you're going to have to score some points to win. Uh, Murfreesboro playing uh, McNamara, do you feel like that's going to be a high-scoring game as well? I say that could be more. That could be more of a game where you have to be in the twenties to win that one. Murphy's played outstanding defense. Bishop McNamara has been more like itself from last year. They had a bunch of injuries during the regular season, which is in part why they lost three games. But they've gotten their guys back for the playoffs. They rolled through the first couple of games. I don't know. Braden's doing the preview on that game. I don't know if you've had a chance to talk with the McNamara coach yet or not. I, not yet. I know you saw Murphy play in the first round against Civic Memorial. Yep. Talk, tell, tell us about what Murphy, what Mur- and you've seen Murphy a few times with me this year. Yep. Don't they look like a team that just seems to have this sense of confidence about them? A sense of confidence. They play with a real chip on their shoulder and, um, you know, just talking to different coaches. When you speak with Gary Carter, uh, he has his team focused and. They want to win every game they go out, um, and they, you know, they they're kind of the underdogs in a way. That that's what they put themselves as. Um, but this is going to be a really good game, and anytime you look past Murfreesboro, they're going to pull off a win. So I I expect a good game on Saturday. Offensively, they're just 
they're not, they're not as explosive maybe as some other teams, but they're so multifaceted. You just you just never know where the ball's going to go, and that offense they run. I mean, it looks like a jet sweep. And the next thing they know, they cut it in off the tackle and go against the grain and get big yardage. They got uh, they got some speed backs. They got uh, some power backs and. Uh, McZeek does a really good job back there of, of running the show and disguising where the ball is. Uh, I know the two games I covered them, I was frequently watching the wrong guy running downfield <laughs> and wondering why there was a pile going over on the other side. You know, he just does a good job. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Well, one of the fascinating things to be me about Murphy is the three-headed monster they have at fullback. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to get a hundred yards most of the weeks from Desmond Clark. You're going to get between say fifty to a hundred from Jake Hoffenstead. Well, with that three-headed monster at fullback, Aiden McNitt, Kevin Kirkwood, and Zane Carraway, last week they got 133 out of those guys. It's like having another 100-yard rusher from a composite of three guys, and they all have different styles. They can hit a defense pretty much every conceivable way. The, the, uh, the, the, the one thing that's scary is that uh, McNamara comes from a conference, a very strong conference, so... You know, you, you look at the one-loss record. You, you throw the one-loss records when those guys come down here because it, it's going to be a solid. It's going to be a solid team, a solid program. And I, uh, McNamara, uh, Bishop Mack took Murphy's route last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, beat him, beat him uh, pretty soundly last year, Braden. I know you talked to Gary uh, earlier this week, and I've heard this from him last year and this year too. He really believes in the power of the home field advantage come the postseason, especially. With a team like McNamara, even though it's good, they're having to make a very long drive down here. Uh, Gary just hopes that the four-hour drive takes something away from McNamara. Uh, he pointed toward their loss to McNamara last season, said the four-hour drive kind of played with their minds a little bit. So he's kind of hoping the same thing happens to his opponent this week. So that's what we're looking at this weekend. Two, two playoff games, two quarterfinal games, Nashville at home in 2A, Murphy at home in 4A. And conceivably, if they both win this week, they could both be at home next week in the semifinals, depending on how other results go. Well, that would be exciting to have someone back in the semifinals uh, in the state playoffs. Um, we're going to see if uh, SIU's football team is also in the playoffs this year. Uh, they're going for win number seven uh, this weekend at Western Illinois. Western Illinois is is probably the worst team in the Valley uh, this year. Um so that that's a game that they should get, but you you never want to put that past anybody in this league. But uh, if SIU gets to seven, um, they would have one win over a top twenty-five team, what I think would be Youngstown. Um, they did play Illinois State tough and South Dakota State tough. Uh, they have an FBS win. There's only three in the entire country. Um, do you think they will get into the playoffs if they get seven wins less? I I like their chances, but. At the same time, I don't think it's a slam dunk either. I don't, I don't think it's a slam dunk. The uh, the uh, the win over Massachusetts, as bad as Massachusetts is, is looming large. There's no question about yeah. it. Yeah. But this this is the quintessential trap game. I mean, uh, you know, you, you've got uh, you've got uh, North Dakota State coming in the following week. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the talk of uh, now Nick Hill said in his press conference that the coaching staff has not mentioned. Playoffs uh, one time to the the players, but he also said the players aren't stupid. They have cell phones, they have computers, they know they know the buzz, they know what's going on. But uh, you know, this week it's just a matter of just like they've been doing the last four or five weeks. Just take care of business, play your game. Obviously, if SIU plays up to its capabilities or anywhere near its capabilities, uh, it should be a win. But uh, 
Western has historically had SIU's number, and going up to Hanson Field is uh, worse than that four-hour bus ride to Kankakee McNamara. <laughs> and, and they never seem to play well there. I no, mean, they've never. been favored plenty of times and have not played well there. I, I think I think it was two years ago. Uh, it was like a dr- it was a little rain, very cold. Um, they uh, they had to Somer, and he had the I think he was the leading rusher and the leading passer in that game, and they got pretty walloped. Western was good that year. But even when they've been favored, they were up uh, five or six points a couple years ago, and Western throws an out route, and Corey Lindsey is right there for the interception, and it hits off his hands, goes behind him, and the receiver from Western catches the ball and goes for the winning touchdown in like the last 10 seconds. Well, you know, last year's perfect example. Salukis gave up 20 points, two touchdowns, two field goals in the fourth quarter to lose 34-31. to so the, you know, the the Leathernecks had the Salukis dialed in. There is one thing to think of. You were talking about their playoff chances, and I thought of this yesterday. There is a precedent where SIU could finish up 7-5, and five, every loss being a loss to a winning team or a team that's going to be in the playoffs, and they might get left at the altar. And the reason I say this is because Austin P. last year, I believe, played two FBS teams, I think either tied for or won the OVC, had a seven or eight win season and was left out and the committee chair said it was in part because of the schedule they played and they played two FBS teams and one of them I believe was Georgia. So although it seems like SIU would have a good case to be in with seven and five considering its strength of schedule and the FBS win, you know, you go back on precedent and you kind of, it's in the back of your mind, is this where they're going to get left out? Because some guy on the committee who wants to outthink the room thinks the schedule was too bizarre because they played two FBS teams. You, know, you, you never want to leave it up to the committee. I mean, and obviously, yeah. obviously, this is out of SIU's hands. I mean, unless unless they win both games. Well, right, right. Yeah, they, then, they, then, they, then they're yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They 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 make that statement, but yeah. You know, I you know I, I hear a lot of people talking pretty confidently about the SIU beating uh, North Dakota State. <laughs> well. You know, we'll we'll see. We'll that's we'll we'll find out soon enough. But uh, but you know, that's that's big talk. Yeah, that that program's just on a different level. I mean, they've had games where I thought I, actually the SCU I thought maybe had a, a better roster, and and they were not uh, not not very competitive. They were up, I, I think it was twenty to nothing at the half uh, when we were up there a couple of years ago. Brandon Williams returned a fumble for a touchdown, and they got beat. Uh, that's a very tough place to play. Now, luckily, we're playing them here. Um, SIU is playing them here, but that's a team that goes on the road. They've won 30, 34 in a row for a reason. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll, they got to get past this week. They have done a good job of, of focusing week, week to week. The metrics, fortunately, are in their, their favor as well. Arkansas State's going to be a bowl team. Uh, they, they did play them very well. And like Bucky said, every team they lost to, UT Martin, SEMO, are both going to be in the top 25 maybe by the end of the year. They've both been in the top 25 already this year. SIU handled UT Martin, uh, fortunately, and not knowing that was going to come back and, and be a big feather in their cap. And uh, South Dakota State, Illinois State, um, and uh, that's and they've, had, and they've had a lot of road wins too. Uh, you know, you, you say playing those, you know, seven road games – they're never going to make the playoffs, and now it's going to be the thing that probably gets them in the playoffs. Is it's playing it's those something that could games. be a positive at this point. So we'll see. Uh, Saturday, uh, 1 o'clock in beautiful Macomb. 
Um, <laughs> be on the Saluki Radio Network. I think it's on ESPN Plus uh, this weekend. I will. I will be there. Is Todd angling for a job with the Chamber of Commerce I, I in Macomb or something. I think so yeah. <laughs> Saluki basketball Mayor. Mayor. will be back home uh, in in sunny sunny Banterra Center uh, Saturday afternoon. Um, or Saturday night, I'm sorry. It's a 7 right. o'clock game, right? Playing San Francisco. I'll be there all day. I won't know whether it's yeah. or not. Yeah, so. you get the you get the women uh, playing their home opener. Uh, we haven't seen them at all, they, except for a scrimmage. They they beat uh, beat SIU Edwardsville pretty badly, scored over 100 points, uh, lost right at the buzzer against IUPUI on the road. But uh, I, I, I would, you know, I'll be able to watch it on my computer, I guess. But I am excited to see what the what the women's team has. Yeah, the the disappointing thing I think about the Ui uh, Pui loss is, other than you get to say Ui Pui a lot, is <laughs> that uh, you know they gave up 81 points. This is a team that uh, that hoped to be a really strong defensive team. Obviously, you can't make any uh, uh, big statements based on one game, but they also had 16 turnovers, uh, which is uh, too many which is too many against a good team, uh, especially on the road. And that was a point of emphasis. Uh, Cindy Scott has made clear over and over again that uh, this is a team that needs to minimize its uh, turnovers. They, they've got some ability, but uh, you know we've talked about it on this podcast before. Um, it's, it's the basic things that they've got to uh, take care of, uh, turnovers, free throws, uh, uh, things like that. If they, they can be a good team, but you know they, uh, apparently the turnover bug bit them last night. Well, the thing you have to remember too is it's it's mid-November and you're basically in a league where it becomes a three or four day season in the middle of March anyway. The one thing that you can be happy about if you're an SIU fan is this team is scoring points early in the season. 103 in the opener, I guess they lost the buzzer. They had what 79 points last night or something like that. If they gave up 81, yeah, 70s, yeah. Yeah, so they're they're scoring points in a way they rarely scored points last year or the year before. So. There's that to take from the first two games. They scored a lot of points. They played in the road. And other than the turnovers, they didn't play badly. So it's, they're, you know, there's, there's, there's things you can take out of it. Just cut down the turnovers, and, you can look, and you're cooking with gas then. Right. I, and I think nine of their 16 turnovers were either in the first quarter or the first half. Mm. So they really cleaned it up in the second half. Uh, they have a lot of experience on that team, both at the guard spot and the forward spot. Um, should be fun to watch. And uh, the Saluki men are back at home uh, playing San Francisco. Um, San Francisco is a pretty good team. They, I believe they played Yale Tuesday night. Um, they were led by a new coach uh, named Todd Golden, not the sports writer from the Terre Haute <laughs> Trip Star. He's much taller than that, but uh, he's a former assistant with the Dons. And I was at the last game uh, we played the Dons. The, the SIU played them out in Vegas, uh, beat them by like a point, and then beat San Diego by like a point on the last second possession and uh, won the Las Vegas Holiday Hoops Classic. That was the last time they won an except tournament. Um, but they played well Friday, you know, played Delaware tough. Delaware's pretty good, pretty surprisingly good team from the CAA. Um, they're going to give a lot of people fits. They're going to get a lot of wins. Uh, I think Oakland will have some wins too. Um, they lost to Oakland on Sunday. They were back in that game in the second half but without – Without Eric McGill or, or Ronnie Suggs or, uh, you know, if Sekou Dembele comes back or when he comes back and then if Carrington Davis comes back, I, I really think this team's going to be pretty good once they get everybody back. And they may have everybody back this weekend. That's a possibility. It's not likely. But Sekou's going to start practicing this week. Um, Carrington Davis has been practicing, just hasn't been 
ready to go yet. Uh, and then Eric McGill and Ronnie Suggs, maybe with a week off, uh, will be able to get over their injuries too. Mm-hmm. And, and then we'll see what this team can do. You know, when San Francisco comes in here Saturday night, uh, I realize a lot of this tradition I'm getting ready to talk about is like, I don't know, 50, 60 years in the past, but... I'm seeing a poster of Bill Russell. Bill Russell. <laughs> Casey Jones played there, correct? I mean... I, I mean, so, yeah. I mean e- even, the, even the great uh, Quentin Daly, who people forget for all the troubles he had off the floor, he was a heck of a player. Mm-hmm. Bill Cartwright played there. I mean, we're talking about a, a, a school that has a very rich, although dated, basketball tradition, and that was a good team last year, as Todd mentioned. They lost, their coach moved on. They had a team that nearly beat Gonzaga when Gonzaga was rolling as the number one team in the country last mm-hmm. year. An old venerable War Memorial gym. So, this is a decent program coming into Carbondale. Good test for the Salukis. What time is the women's game? Is it like two o'clock? Two, two, two o'clock two on Saturday. Saturday. So, Saluki double dip. You can watch the the basketball game in person and watch the football game on your phone. You'll have a great uh, great Saturday. And then uh, are, we, are we gonna are we gonna let basketball go by without mentioning Evansville knocking off? Uh, oh, wow. I was just yeah. I was just night? just working towards oh, it. Oh, okay. I'm I'm sorry. Did, would you like to <laughs> please tell us about Evansville beating Kentucky? <laughs> I just want to know. I don't, I don't know if y'all ever watched Tommy Heinsohn or heard the clips of him doing Celtic games when Walter McCarty played for the Celtics. <clears throat> And he would go on, I love Walter! <laughs> I wonder how many Tommy points he got for going into Rupp last night and beating the number one team in the country. What a win for Evansville. Did you see the scene afterwards when they got home sometime in the wee hours in the morning? They were rocking the bus. People were surrounding the bus. It was like they'd won the national championship or something. What a moment for those guys, though. Seriously. Is is there any program in the country that's more fun to hate than Kentucky, though? Maybe Uh, this version of Duke, but on a year-in, year-out basis... You know, if, if Grayson Allen had been with Duke, then it would, I mean, with Kentucky, then it would be a slam dunk. Yeah, right. Or it would be a trip. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but in all in all seriousness, yeah, Kentucky is is one of the most polarizing programs in college basketball. You are the love what Calipari does, and then in the name of gaming the system, or or you hate what he does. And to be fair to Calipari, Shashevsky's done the same thing the last few years, and he's largely gotten a hall pass for it. Calipari does the same thing; he gets killed for it. Yeah, I, the the dumbest thing. I've, I've read this morning, Pat Ford, who just, I think, went to work for Sports Illustrated, yeah. made a statement that he thinks Calipari, Calipari purposely undercoaches the team early in the year to make them better. Oh and I'm like, who would say something like that? I mean, that's just, you know, and a, a, a loss this time of year frequently is considered a learning experience. But to think that a coach would purposely sabotage his own team just... Yeah. I, I just laughed at that. That was just. I like Pat Forty. I have a hard time believing that one though. But I don't know if you watched Calipari last night after the game. He blamed himself for the loss. He's really good about stuff like that. I'll give him credit for that. If they lose, he never throws the players under the bus. He always points the finger at himself. He yeah. doesn't have to throw the players under the bus. They're on the way out of town anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of undermines what Kentucky is. I mean, it's you got to if you're going to beat Kentucky, you got to beat them early. 
I mean, they're always much better in the end. You know, you, Calipari gets a lot of flack for not being a great coach, but look at the, how well his teams play at the end with all these new parts. He's kind of like a JUCO with how many players he changes every year. And he deserves he deserves some credit for getting those guys to play together, but that's the same reason they're, hard, they're easy to beat or easier to beat in the beginning. Now, not to take away what, what Evansville did, they led for almost over 35 minutes of that game last night. And, and they're, they're going to be, I mean, I, I can't imagine they're not going to play a tougher team than that in the non-conference. So that's going to be a tough team to you beat you here. You don't think that IU Kokomo will present Evansville <laughs> with the serious challenges tomorrow night at the Ford Center? More, maybe more mental challenges than uh, the physical ones, trying not to look past them. But uh, that's, that's a great win for them. It's a great win for the Valley. They did not, a Valley team did not beat a top 25 team for the first time in eight or nine years last season. Um, uh, Indiana State is playing Louisville tonight on the road. Uh, this is the time where you you got to get them if you're going to get them if you're a mid major. So that's uh, kudos to to Walter and his staff and, and his players. Going back to Les's point, it was an expensive uh, lesson yes. for Kentucky to learn. You know they paid ninety thousand dollars to play that game against Evansville and <laughs> dropped that game. That's just rough. It's not the same as say some TV league school on football dropping a million dollars for right. like like Michigan did for Appalachian State way back in the day, and mm-hmm. then. And then give them the check and the game on top yeah. of that. So, <laughs> yeah, that, I bet that was hard for that Kentucky athletic director and and that check. Gulp. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, uh, thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week to talk some local sports. See how our local high school teams do. Uh, enjoy the weekend and and uh, stay warm out there. Thank you. <laughs>